0: Father in heaven, we are so grateful that you've given us this opportunity to look at truths from your word that relate to our bodies, and I pray that this morning you will help me be your instrument, that the Holy Spirit will fall, in Christ's name, amen. Probably you remember the story, the descendants of Lot, the Moabites and Ammonites, had declared war on Israel. And without warning, invaded the land of Israel. King Jehoshaphat hastily assembled his army. His uh, dependence wasn't on his well-trained military, but with fasting and prayer, he made ready for the contest. A prophet of God stood up in the assembly and instructed the king how to fight the battle. The instructions actually seemed like nonsense. Nonsense. At the front of the army was to be a choir. They were to sing not some funeral dirge, but to lead all the soldiers in songs of praise. Any reasonable king would have rejected the directions as merely the musings of a foolish and unstable individual. You don't fight arrows with a song. But Jehoshaphat had learned the value of the prophetic message. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. They followed the battle plan that God had outlined for them, and a glorious victory resulted. The verse comes down through the mists of millennia to guide us today, to be established in present truth. We must believe the Lord. But God wants us to be more than established. He wants us to prosper. And so he sends us prophets to prosper in present truth. Today, Seventh-day Adventists stand at the head of the health line. There's articles in National Geographic, special reports on CNN. And that's not because we're more knowledgeable than other researchers or brighter, because the world has the smartest people. It's not because we have more money, because the world has more money. It's because God has given us something that's smarter than IQ and richer than gold. And that's the wisdom through a prophet. God's revelation is always the head and science can never be anything but the tail. The promise is for us as it was to ancient Israel, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord. ...that healeth thee. We have inspired counsel... ...because of the advantages this counsel has given Seventh-day Adventists... ...men who follow the counsel live 12 years longer... ...than the rest of the population. Now this isn't 12 nursing home years, this is 12 vigorous years. Seventh-day Adventists are the most studied group of people on the face of the earth... ...because scientists and health workers want to know why is it that we live longer. The world has acknowledged the results but has not accepted the cause and that's inspiration from a prophet. A century ago, Adventists were given a formula for healthful living. For years, Adventists were ridiculed and mocked for advocating this formula, but within the last 30 years, most of the recommendations have been scientifically confirmed. None has been refuted. Seventh-day Adventist lifestyle has become the marvel of the world. This formula is not simply the Quaint practices of outdated contrarians. It is a person, Jesus Christ, who gave his testimony, the gift of prophecy, that is the advantage. It's not simply a lifestyle. We don't want to give the Adventist lifestyle to people. That's not our message. It involves a lifestyle. Jesus says, I am the way. But it is the message that Christ has given through his prophets that makes a difference. Deuteronomy 32:31. Their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Adventism was born at a time of great darkness and ignorance. George Washington, the beloved first president of the United States, received the very best medical care of his day. He died December 14, 1799, at the age of 67. He was bled to death in an attempt to cure him of a disease. Furthermore, he was given toxic heavy metals. He was actually poisoned. In addition, he was burned. They called it scalded in order to let the toxins out of his body. These treatments accurately recorded were not to show the ignorance of the physicians, but they were proud that he was given the very best medical attention to bring him back to health. Everything possible had been done for the president. Common people at that time were afraid of night air, fresh air during sickness. Tobacco was thought to be a useful medication, particularly for lung disorders. Medical associations actually recommended smoking for these types of things. Just as there was darkness in the land when God delivered Israel, so there was darkness in the land when God delivered His modern Israel. God, seeing the misery of the world, sent light to bring healing to the the body and soul through a prophet. He sent His Word and healed them. Jesus is the Word of God. Where the Word of God abides, Jesus abides. The truthfulness of God's message was accepted by faith, by the Advent believers. But today, even the world acknowledges their validity. We could use many illustrations, but I want to give a few. Deaths in the United States per year from second-hand smoke is estimated at approximately 65,000 people. If you want to see the latest collection of established scientific facts with all the references, go to the American Lung Association website. The California Environment Protection Agency says secondhand smoke is especially harmful to young children. Second-hand smoke is responsible for between 150,000 and 300,000 lower respiratory tract infections in infants and children under 18 months, resulting in between... 7,500 and 15,000 hospitalizations each year, and causes between 1,900 and 2,700 sudden infant death syndromes in the United deaths in the United States annually. It's a big problem. Ellen White wrote, "By using tobacco, smokers poison the Lord's free atmosphere, so that others are injured." She. Referred to the air in room with smokers as tobacco poisoned air. This has been established by numerous careful scientific studies many times. Smokers are less able to, comp- to perform complex mental tasks than non smokers. Using as few as 1 to 14 cigarettes per day can more than double the risk of non fatal stroke, which can damage our highest mental and moral functioning. Maternal smoking actually decreases the number of brain nerves in the developing fetus. Intelligent quotients were an average of nine points lower among three- to four-year-old children whose mothers smoked during pregnancy. In the elderly, a recent study from Europe published in the scholarly journal Neurology showed that smoking speeds up the mental decline five times. Other secondhand smoke effects include difficulty in processing sound, dealing with three-dimensional geometry concepts. Ellen White said, Tobacco weakens the brain and paralyzes its fine sensibilities. It beclouds the brain. Mental inability and physical weakness can result from parental smoking. Unborn generations are afflicted by the parental use of tobacco and liquor. Intellectual decay is entailed upon them and their moral perceptions are blunted. We can measure what it does to IQ, but God tells us that it does worse to the morals. And then there's uh, John Harvey Kellogg, his testimony. Many conflicting views and claims are made in science. How do we know what to prove and accept as true? Dr. John Harvey Kellogg said this. He says, I am five years ahead of the medical establishment because when something comes out, I check with the spirit of prophecy. And then I know always which is going to turn out to be just bogus and which is going to turn out to be helpful. He was able to avoid many, many uh, mistakes. Now, this wasn't because he was naturally smart, although he was that. But it was like the advice that a prophet gave to um, the king to avoid ambushes of Ben Hadad's soldiers. The advice from Ellen White gave that Ellen White gave Kellogg enabled him to gain worldwide prominence for his wisdom in medical treatments. He became the father, because of Ellen White, the father of modern surgery. He developed the first tile surgical suite. He was the first to perform more than 300 intra-abdominal surgeries without a fatality. He was the father of physical medicine. But the wisdom wasn't his own, and this was proved by the foolishness that he had at the end of his life. By that time, he was taking into patients' rooms. When he rejected the spirit of prophecy, he rejected wisdom. He was taking into their rooms, carrying in uh, feces, so they could smell the difference between healthy feces and non-healthy feces. Weird. "'Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper,' Kellogg, who started so brilliantly, ended up a dismal, distant fool. Today we know the superiority of plant-based diets. Large studies and ongoing research has made this diet clearly superior. The dietary fiber, the complex carbohydrates, the lack of cholesterol, superior protein, phytochemicals, vitamins, antioxidants, the various ratios, we could go on and on. And a meat diet has been associated with numerous diseases. I've listed just a few, the big three-stroke heart disease and cancer, followed by diabetes. Many others are implicated. In a massive study, the Chinese study 1 and 2, over 200 diseases were clearly and statistically established to be related to a flesh-based diet, including such problems as cataracts. Kidney failure and stones, urinary tract infections, asthma, certain infections, uh, mental illness, and rheumatoid arthritis. It cuts across every medical specialty. A plant-based diet not only prevented but also treated many of these diseases. The benefits of the vegetarian diet are now found on the pages of even the most conservative scientific publications. Vegetarians have been conclusively shown to have greater longevity, superior muscular endurance, less chronic diseases, less utilization of health care facilities, including hospitals, and less need for medication. And they are preferred by health and life insurance companies for these advantages. When I first started my practice, I remember with frustration the American Cancer Society, and it denied any relationship whatsoever between diet and cancer. I remember when the journal Cancer came out, their official publication, I was sitting in my office, a peer-reviewed journal of the American Cancer Society, and it came out with the issue that finally acknowledged For the first time, the relationship of diet and cancer, and to their credit, they at that time said not only is there a relationship, but 67% of cancers were related to lifestyle. I remember when the long, suspicious, and opposing American Dietetic Association that was originally established by Mrs. Kellogg and then came to be the enemy of these reform principles that it was established to uh, to give when it finally once again acknowledged the value in place of a plant-based diet. That has happened in my professional lifetime. While all this seemed new and surprising to the medical community and to the public, Adventist and Adventist physicians had known this for year, wh- years. Why? If we had to wait for the medical community, we would have been dying of these diseases and because of that couldn't have been studied and the medical community to this day wouldn't know and we wouldn't know these dangers. Why? God told us. Ellen White said, grains, fruits, nuts and vegetables constitute the diet chosen for us by our Creator, These foods prepared in as simple and natural a manner as possible are the most helpful in nourishing. It's a fact. Dear folk, can you imagine choosing what God chose or choosing what God didn't choose? That's the choice between people. The belief in that a diet high in meat is essential for people to do muscular work has been prevalent up to just a few years ago. My parents were converts, and my grandparents, my father grew up here in Minnesota, and he grew up eating anything that had moved, anything he could stop moving. And my grandparents begged my parents not to injure us children by forcing us to live on what they feared was an impoverished plant-based diet. They thought that I would be stunted. Stunted. Today, my cousins are switching to this diet or at least limiting their meat intake. Why? Because of health. Bicycle tests of athletes who followed a high-fit, high-protein, high-meat diet can triple their endurance by switching to a vegetarian diet. High carbohydrates. Cyclist Lance Armstrong is not only a vegetarian, but his foundation promotes it. Marathon runners, among many others, have discovered that meat is a detriment to distance running or other endurance activities. It is in Western societies that the athletes, particularly uh, like runners, have proteinuria, that is, uh, protein in their blood. And the reason is they have way too much protein. That is not found in vegetarians. Ellen White said, grains, fruits, and nuts constitute the diet chosen for us by our creator. They impart a strength, a power of endurance that are not afforded by a more complex and stimulating diet. Individuals will have greater powers of endurance if they abstain from meat than if they subsist largely upon it. It is a mistake to suppose that muscular strength depends on the use of animal foods. Meat contains a substance, arachidonic acid, which has been shown to impair brain activity. Meat also is lacking in a substance that the brain needs to function well. Animal foods, primarily fat, secondarily protein, are deficient in carbohydrates. When you think of an animal food, you should not think of a protein food. What should you think of? A fat food. Meat is fat. Uh, uh, primarily, most meat is greater than 50% fat. Secondarily, protein. They're deficient in carbohydrates, um, lacking unless you're eating the uh, bone in uh, um, the uh, bulk that we need. They are the primary source. Carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates are the primary source of energy that the brain can use, and a vegetarian diet gives a plentiful supply for this. Ellen White said, grains, fruits, nuts, and vegetables impart a vigor of intellect that is not afforded by a more complex and stimulating diet. Infectious agents transmitted especially from animal products include salmonella, Listerella. Campylobacter, and dangerous varieties of E. coli. Although these agents often cause what is referred in the literature mildly as nothing more than severe diarrhea, is that what you want? Nothing more than severe diarrhea. They can cause blood infection, sepsis, permanent arthritis, nervous system disease, kidney failure, and death. Foods commonly associated with one or more of these illnesses are soft cheeses, other dairy products, including. Uh, pasteurized items, eggs, sausage, beef products, undercooked chicken, and non-reheated hot dogs. Ellen White said the liability to take disease is increased, what's that next word, tenfold by meat-eating. Animal disease can either cause cancer or immune system changes in infected animals. The bovine leukemia virus causes a form of leukemia in animal cattle. An animal form of AIDS called the bovine immunodeficiency virus affects cattle as well. Ellen White said, Flesh was never the best food, but its use is now doubly objectionable since disease in animals is so rapidly increasing. People are continually eating flesh that is filled with cancerous germs. American women who eat the most red meat, double their risk of lymphoma. Eating hamburgers more than four times per week more than doubles a woman's risk of non hodgkins lymphoma and more than doubles the risk of colon cancer. Meat eating may also increase a host of other cancers. In addition to promoting a plant-based diet, Ellen White often singled out particular foods or food categories because of their unique effects on health. Sometimes those effects were detrimental. Other times they were beneficial. She commented on foods that we now know have a bearing on heart disease. Many cheeses are high in saturated fat, which tends to raise cholesterol values. Oxidized cholesterol increases heart disease. Ripened cheese is a top source of oxidized cholesterol. Now, let me explain what oxidized cholesterol is. Oxidation occurs when it gets exposed to atmosphere. And so if if you look at how God packages food that has cholesterol to be eaten, for example, breast milk has cholesterol in it. The baby needs it. But does breast milk get exposed to oxygen? No. So God protects it from this oxidation. But when we take cholesterol that is... Being exposed to oxygen or oxidized, that becomes very dangerous cholesterol. Even if a person has high internal cholesterol, if they avoid every type of external cholesterol, they can minimize their risk. Cheese tends also to be high in salt. In susceptible people, this will raise blood pressure, which is another heart disease factor, Ellen White simply said, cheese is wholly unfit for food. Dried custard mix, which typically contains sugar, milk, and eggs, is one of the worst offenders when it comes to containing oxidized cholesterol and producing measurable damage to blood vessel lining. The destruction caused by oxidized cholesterol appears to be a key factor in causing hardening of the arteries and ultimately heart attacks. Ellen White said, especially harmful are the custards and puddings in which milk, eggs, and sugar are the chief ingredients. What is the most commonly consumed custard today? Ice cream and uh, yogurt. Just when many heart disease researchers were about to cross nuts off the list of healthful foods because they have high fat, researchers found that nuts could lower blood cholesterol levels and provide a corresponding decrease in the risk of heart disease. So some people were out. This is just in my lifetime, my professional lifetime, were beginning to say, don't eat nuts. But it turns out they were nuts. Um, Notice what Ellen White, it's not a blanket recommendation. Notice what she says, how carefully inspiration gives us guidance. Nuts and and nut foods are coming largely into use to take the place of flesh meats. With nuts may be combined grains, fruits, and some roots to make foods that are healthful and nourishing. Peanut fat has a specific chemical structure that makes it harder on human arteries than other kinds of nuts. Almonds and a variety of other nuts are superior to peanuts. Almond boasts more vitamin E than almost any other nut. Intakes of antioxidant vitamin E is associated with decreased risk of heart disease. Notice what Ellen White said. Some nuts are not so wholesome as others. Almonds are preferable to peanuts. Surprise? No. We knew ahead of time. Whole grain outdoes white flour in a host of comparisons. White bread has virtually no fiber. Whole grain bread is a good source. Fiber appears to decrease a host of diseases, including heart disease, cancer, constipation, appendicitis, varicose veins. Um, One of of my friends, who is uh, now retired as a surgeon, was very successful as a surgeon and almost never developed, had, uh, had patients post surgery develop deep vein thrombosis. And I said, how do you have so consistently, these things are now tracked by hospitals, who has complications, who doesn't. How come he always was consistently low in post-operative complications? Here's what he said. He says, people are lying down, and he says, if they become constipated while they're after surgery. If they become constipated, there is pressure on the, the inferior vena cava. That's the blood vessel that carries the venous blood from the legs up into the heart. And he says that if uh, that has problems with circulation there, you are going to have increased risk for deep vein thrombosis. So he says, I just make sure that they have Before they go into surgery, I put them on the best possible diet. And after surgery, I make sure that the food that the hospital is feeding them is high in complex carbohydrates and fiber and avoids any type of constipation. And he says that keeps it down. I avoid uh, uh, superfine grains. Ellen White says, for use in bread making, the super fine white flour is not the best. Fine flour bread, that is non-whole wheat, is what she's talking about, White, um, white flour, is lacking in nutritive elements to be found in bread made from the whole wheat. It is a frequent cause of constipation and other unhealthful conditions. In recent research, garlic seems to help with elevated blood pressure, high cholesterol, and infections caused by both bacteria and yeast. Onions often help these conditions as well due to chemical similarities in these plants. Ellen White says there's great value, virtue in well-cooked onions. I'm glad she said well-cooked onions because I personally have an allergic response to raw onions. I get a, it feels like a, a sore throat, and I have a headache for 24 hours. But if they're well-cooked, I don't have a problem. It's a, it's a genetic thing because one of my uh, children has the same exact thing. So, Modern science has come around to agree squarely with Ellen White on the position of dramatically decreasing flat, flat fat and specifically saturated fat in our diet. This is important for both heart disease and cancer prevention. In addition to focusing attention on animal products and saturated fats, Ellen White provided other insights that may have a bearing on cancer prevention. One sobering linkage involves sugar and cancer. The risk of the following cancers appears to rise when more sugar is consumed. Colon cancer, rectal cancer, breast cancer, Ovarian cancer, uterine cancer, prostate cancer, kidney cancer, and nervous system, central nervous system cancers. Ellen White, from the light given me, sugar, when largely used, is more injurious than meat. The internationally acclaimed Norwegian research project, known as the Tromso Heart Study, accessed 143,000 men and women and found a significant increase in depression in women who were heavy coffee users caffeine addictiveness has only recently been proven at john hopkins university when i was in medical school it was just oh caffeine isn't addictive just i mean you'd almost think people were blind but It was startling research at the time when it came out that caffeine has the cardinal features of a prototypic drug of abuse. Based on its drug effects, caffeine acts much like any classic addictive drug. Surprise? No. The implication is that the habitual caffeine users are as much drug addicts in the chemical sense of the term as cocaine addicts, heroin addicts, or nicotine addicts. But... You know, you you say, do we have to wait for science to tell us the obvious? How many of your friends are addicted to pop? You know, and if they don't have it, there's the headache. I am always interested to see how we have these slogans, just say no to drugs. And the parents have been using drugs of addiction, coffee, Pepsi, Coke, Mountain Dew, all these things, and then they expect their children not to have their addictions. From generation to generation, what you see is the addictions of the parents are increased in the children. So they add to the addictions, and each generation has more addictions to uh, deal with. Ellen White warned of coffee's effect on the mind. And this has only recently been established scientifically. Coffee is a hurtful indulgence. And, and I want to mention this so Im- because I believe this is so important. I did some research among Seventh-day Adventists. I found uh, some interesting statistics. Basically, 97% of Seventh-day Adventists are pork-free. They don't eat pork. Pork is not a problem among Seventh-day Adventists. Somehow that message got through. 10% smoke. More people smoke than use pork among Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, I should, uh, uh, 6 to 10%, depending on exactly where you are. But up to 10% secretly smoke. But interestingly enough, 70%, between 60 and 70% of Seventh-day Adventists today are using coffee or tea or pop, with uh, caffeine in it. Now, when you go back to the uh, origins of Seventh-day Adventism, one of the reasons that J.N. Loughborough said, so we could have a church, we would be organized, and you would become a member of a church. This was really fought. and uh, Very difficult to get a church organization. There's was a lot of resistance to this, if you've studied the history. One of the reasons that J.N. Loughborough said, it says that you could exclude people that drink coffee. (laughs) Interesting. Ellen White says, Coffee is a hurtful indulgence. It temporarily excites the mind, but the after effect is exhaustion, prostration, paralysis of the mental, moral, and physical powers. Tea, she says, acts as a stimulant, the act of action of coffee is similar. Fatigue is forgotten. The strength seems to be increased. When the influence of the stimulant is gone, the unnatural force abates and the result is a corresponding degree of languor and disability. She talks about tea drinkers and coffee drinkers and how it disinhibits them and they become gossipers. Just the same thing when you have disinhibitions with alcohol. Of course, there are other things we could talk about. Eating breakfast appears to be essential for maximum mental and physical efficiency. Regular breakfast eaters may be able to cut their risk of death in half. Just eating breakfast. Decrease your risk of death one half. A good breakfast and a lighter or no supper may help improve blood sugar control in diabetics. Ellen White says, the habit of eating a sparing breakfast and a large dinner is wrong. Make your breakfast correspond more nearly to the heartiest meal of the day. John Harvey Kellogg put it this way, eat breakfast like a king, dinner like a prince, supper like a pauper. The more frequently a person eats, the greater his or her risk of colon cancer. The original Alameda Country study County study data identified no snacking as a health habit associated with longevity. Ellen White says, in most cases, two meals a day are preferable to three. Three meals a day and nothing between meals, not even an apple, should be the utmost limit of indulgence. Leaving off supper may be one of the best ways to deal with excess weight. One study documented weight loss in all of nearly 600 patients who ate their last meal no later than 3 p.m. Do you know what is a common factor in most people that are overweight? Not all. Some. Skipping breakfast. The last meal, supper, is generally the most hearty and is often taken just before retiring. This is reversing the natural order. A hearty meal should never be taken so late in the day. We should not fail to mention exercise. Exercise lowers the risk of heart disease, lowers the risk of cancer, benefits physiology in general, and regular exercise promotes longevity. Ellen White put it this way, the more we exercise, the better will be the circulation of the blood more people die for want of exercise than through overfatigue. Very many more rust out than wear out. Those who accustom themselves to proper exercise in the open air will generally have a good and vigorous circulation. That's just a brief overview. So many more could be mentioned. Fresh air, country living. I would like to just point out one more, and that's on sleep, because this is now coming into prominence. The Harvard Nurses Health Study has linked colon and breast cancer to irregular or insufficient sleep patterns. It's not just your diet. Not just your diet. Heart attacks, heart failure, diabetes, diabetes, obesity, high blood pressure, and stroke are associated with sleep deficits. One study found that reduced sleep time is a greater mortality risk than smoking, high blood pressure, and heart disease. Sleep disturbances are one of the leading predictors of institutionalization in the elderly, and severe insomnia triples the mortality risk in elderly men. It contributes to mental impairments, psychiatric problems, including depression and other mood disorders, and attention deficit disorders. It increases the risk of work and automobile accidents. Physicians are at much higher risk of errors. Like everything in life, our life impacts others. Sleep habits are not an exception. Our sleep affects our spouse's sleep if you're married disruptions of a spouse's sleep quality. Here's what Ellen White said. Nothing that pertains to physical perfection should be looked upon as of little importance. The laws of health should be diligently followed. And in regulating the hours of sleep, there should be no haphazard work. What does the word haphazard mean? Happenstance. Uh, Well, I needed to talk to this person or that person. It needs to be scheduled, planned, not haphazard. No student should form the habit of sitting up late at night to burn the midnight oil and then take the hours of day for sleep. How many students? None. If they have been accustomed to doing this at home, they should seek to correct their habits and go to rest at a seasonable hour and rise in the morning refreshed for the day's duties. In our schools, the what? The what? What did it say next? Oh, I didn't put it there. In our schools, the light should be extinguished at half past nine. Dear folk, are we living up to the Adventist advantage? By allowing ourselves to form wrong habits... By keeping late hours, by gratifying appetite at the expense of health, read this with me. We lay the foundation for feebleness. You want to be laying the foundation for feebleness? That's a Christ Object Lessons, page three forty-six. I see I didn't put it on there. Christ Object Lessons, three forty-six. Scientific discoveries made long after Ellen White's death do not cannot prove the validity of inspiration. Inspiration is its own proof. We don't prove Ellen White right. No. There's no higher authority than God. If God says it, you don't prove it. It proves your research. You don't prove His Word. I'm glad for science. But its findings are tentative and insecure at best. They're subject to change, reinterpretation. They are and should be constantly questioned. They can be corrupted and falsified. Science is merely the tail of knowledge. It can do nothing certain outside of revelation. The head is inspiration. It is positive. It is certain. Today, as anciently, Christ speaks with authority. How could an individual who lived a hundred years ago have written anything on health topics that would be of value today? Ministry of Healing is the only book written in 1905, that I would bother to open up today. Divine revelation from a loving Creator who pities our blindness and provides us with light. No other books on health written in Ellen White's time have survived like this, the test of time. Every other book, you know, you read it and you say, why should I study this? Because in five years I'm going to throw it out. But not councils and diets and food. The information they contain has, out, has uh, uh, not Ellen White, but science has, uh, out, has been outmoded by the rapid advances in medical science in the 20th century regarding the causes, treatments, and prevention of disease. Science is obviously a hundred years out of a day, not inspiration. It's the tail. It still hasn't caught up, and a tail never will catch up to the head. God wants us the head, not chasing our tails. Paul Harvey, in referring to Ellen White, in one of his network news broadcasts, observed that modern science continues more and more to say she was right. Was the advanced information that she possessed restricted to health topics? Did she have some advanced information outside the field of health? There's a famous quote that is heard from time to time in soul winning classes. Volume 6, page 370. The Lord does not now work to bring many souls into the truth. This is all that's copied in the book of evangelism. This is what it is. Um because of the church members who have never been converted and those who were once converted but who have backslidden. What influence would these unconsecrated members have on new converts? Would they not make of no effect the God-given message which his people are to bear? But I want you to see the context of this quote. It's the last part of a paragraph. Notice how the paragraph starts. The subject of health reform has been presented in the churches. But the light has not been hardly received. The selfish, health-destroying indulgences of men and women have been counteracting, Have counteracted the influence of the message that is to prepare a people for the great day of God. If the churches expect strength, they must live the truth which God has given them. If the members of our churches disregard the light on this subject, they will reap the sure result in both spiritual, that's mentioned first, in physical degeneracy. And the influence of these older church members will leaven those newly come to the faith. Now comes the quote we just saw. The Lord does not now work to bring many souls into the truth because of the church members who have never been converted. That is, they haven't been following these principles of health. Or those who are once converted but who have backslidden. The area of health she's talking about. Folk, does it concern you about evangelism in this country? Amazing facts. One time had 13 evangelists, now down to seven. Just evangelism in $100,000 spent in Kansas City. Not one Baptist. Our pastor... Um, just held an evangelistic meeting, not one baptism. The Lord does not now work to bring many souls into the truth because of the church members who have never been converted. You and I are the major impediment to evangelism. Just as God gave his children, Adam and Eve, a diet, he gave His people anciently, the, the Jews, a diet. He has given His people a diet today. That is one of God's modus operandi. Just as a diet was a test for Adam and Eve in Eden, just as it was a test for Israel in the wilderness, just as it was a test for Daniel and his friends, just as it was a test for Jesus in the wilderness, it is a test for God's people today. Neglect of such little things as diet will have a profound influence on our lives, our children's lives, our church, and our soul winning success. Hear me, O Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, Jehoshaphat said, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. That's found uh, where you can get twenty twenty visions, second Chronicles. 2020. Now, in a court case, I worked for uh, many years in, uh, um, um, in physical medicine before I uh, went into dermatology. And in physical medicine, I would take care of people who had been injured, maybe seriously. And often that dragged you into the legal process because there might be lawsuits and those sorts of things because they had been hurt on the job or they'd been hurt in an automobile accident or lawyers could find something that uh, could be sued. And in any case, lawyers on whatever side would try to bring what's called reasonable doubt. Maybe what that person's testimony was, well, maybe it's not quite true. some reasonable doubt. And if you can convince a jury that there is a reasonable doubt you know, probably is true, but a reasonable person could have a question on that, then they can keep certain decisions from happening. And Satan is seeking to bring some reasonable doubt in our minds on the message that God has given on health. Some reasonable doubt. I would call it, with the evidence that we have today, unreasonable doubt. And he almost has, to deceive us today, he almost has to have a willing client. Somebody that wants to be deceived. How many of you want to believe in the Lord as God and want to believe His prophets? Let's pray. Father in heaven, how grateful we are that we have this opportunity to review some of the things that were given by inspiration. And now enough time has passed, maybe a hundred, some cases a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty years, finally science catches up in a few areas. But even then, it's still way behind. Lord, we want to be... We don't want to wait for science. We want to advance with inspiration. Help us in our lives to follow Scripture 100%. Follow the spirit of prophecy in every detail. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Any questions? Question here. I have a friend who's struggling to put sweet tea out of his diet. I know it's not good for him, but he's the the southern country person who's done it all his life. So here's a question on uh someone that's uh, uh struggling with sweets. Sweet teas. Sweet teas. What specifically. You know, I should probably have uh, uh, my friend, uh, my new friend, uh, Nice, uh, come on up here. And uh, a question, specific question uh, like that, you may have some suggestions uh, uh, for them uh, um, on replacements for sweet tea.
1: Okay. Both, I guess. Well, um, we, uh, we work with a lot of people who are dealing with similar situations. Sweet tea, Lipton iced tea, many kinds of teas. Um, as, uh, as Doc had mentioned here a little while ago, these items do contain uh, certain items in it that are ca- caffeine as well. And so when he says, "I," it's hard for me to get off. You can't look at that person and say, Oh, you just don't have willpower. Right. There is a physiological dependency that is on these items. Now, it's going to take a little time. Uh, What what we would encourage uh, that person to do, um, ultimately, they they have a couple options. They could switch on to a herbal item, there's no real substitute. They could switch on to a herbal tea or something like that. What we like to do is go totally, uh, you know, to to cut off this item here. Um, They could also they could wean themselves off of it, you know some people are hitting five cups a day or something like that so tomorrow let's go down to three and then the next day go down, go down, go down um, also to like to answer that we'll, what we do in our consultation we sit down and look at the whole picture maybe they're even skipping out on breakfast and taking this tea and so now not only have their body become dependent on it their body is using this tea as its only form of what? fuel for the day and so what we have to do, incorporate a schedule for them where they're not so dependent on some of these items. But a lot of, a lot of times people are literally addicted. And um, green tea, oh man, green tea, have mercy. Just because my sister down in Chicago, you guys know what I mean, on the big t- television show, Oprah puts it on her show and says, green tea is the best thing in the world, does not mean that it is the law.
0: It does mean she makes money off saying oh, it. Oh, my goodness.
1: <laughs> we remember in our sessions, we have to base all principles off of three guidelines. Number one, number one, number one, as was just mentioned, it has to be found in the Bible. Number two, spirit of prophecy directly spoke about these teas. And, uh, and number three, good science, good science. Would show you that green tea, it does have antioxidants. Great, fantastic. But at the same time, it has phenolic tannins, which <laughs> hinder and block the absorption of other vitamins, other right. minerals, and stuff like that, and causes major problems. Uh, matter of fact, uh, anemia is uh, not uncommon amongst those who are, are heavy tea drinkers. And so we have many people who are taking iron like crazy, you know what I mean? Eating all the meat in the world, but still are what? Anemics. How is that possible? That tea alone stops, hinders the absorption of a lot of these items. So if you want antioxidants, man, you have all the fruits in the world, which at the same time won't cause problems to other other items then. Let me
0: just add uh, one thing, and that is uh, my father... When he came into this message, he was drinking 30 to 35 cups of coffee a day. And um, uh, so um, the way that you get off victims in volume six of the testimony, page 110, it says victims of evil habits must be led to the foot of the cross. There's only one place that's powerful enough to rid us of the addictions of life. And that's the cross. Um, um, God has given us uh, ways, helpful suggestions that we need to use uh, to get them through tobacco. Um, some uh, the suggestions that my um, brother just mentioned. And the only one really... That provides sufficient motivation in the face of craving is to look at the life of Jesus. In the volume, in Desire of Ages, it says this it says, um, to one who is struggling with intemperance, they need to examine carefully Jesus there in the wilderness, fasting, and what he went through to give them the victory. Um, i could uh, i could uh, amplify on that a little more but i saw there was one other question and uh, we have time just for that there's a question over here my let me have uh, my uh, friend to stay up up here and we'll just work together on on these what, what is your uh, what is your question I, again did you hear the question Okay, repeat the question here.
1: The question was, uh, what about sugar substitutes? Okay, uh, as we talked about on the other time, if it's too good to be true and it ain't Jesus, it ain't true. <laughs> uh, it's, it's so new on the market, you just give it some time and you will find that this, there, there are major, major side effects with different items just like uh, aspartame, just like uh, there's a million of them uh, that, that we have listed in uh, in some of our materials. I always tell people you're always safe when it comes naturally from the Creator. Mm -hmm. People say, well, what what do you mean? What we use is sweeteners, we use fruits, we use raisins, dates, uh, we use all these items. When you're using these things, you are for sure with a lot of these new items that come out, you're like you're playing around with the, uh, and the reason I can say this, because I used to use some of these. I used to, I thought I was a hero buying sugar-free Trident, you know what I mean? Oh man, I'm doing good for my teeth and stuff like that. When I started to read the other ingredients that was in it and how harmful they are, I said, man, I was better off just eating sugar, you know what I mean? Um, but when, 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 when the new studies start coming out, you'll start to see some of these items, but you're always safe. What, what we don't want to do is take chances with the temple, if you know what I mean. The cars, you can take a chance and put cheap gas and you can replace it. You know, and if the car breaks down, no problem. I'll just buy another one. But when this breaks down, there's no replacement. And, and God is holding us accountable to study. Just like how we study on the spiritual things, he wants us to study on taking care of the temple just as important. So what I would encourage, amen. Oh, a matter of fact, let me just, can I, can I ask you a question? And then I have a comment. On okay, the good. What do you use it for? Or are you just asking in general? Well, I I like sweet <laughs> Okay, food. okay. Like, I like juices. hmm And I don't want to leave it off, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking using like blend and sweet it up a little, it's like a drink it. Okay. But I I knew like you say what's mm-hmm. that great. Right. So I don't to do that it's that oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Great. So what is anybody have a pet at home? Are you ready for this? Because I was addicted to uh, all kinds of drinks and stuff like that. And nutriment, this power drink, that drink and stuff like that. One day I said, let me test something. I need to live the way God would want me to live. Okay.
0: I think we're, uh, you your we're time on here? their time. If somebody has to leave, uh, this uh, is over now. We're on biotech.
1: Uh, okay. Watch this. Nature would testify of how we should live. Give your dog or cat. Juice and water. Give them two. Give give them an option. Give them juice or water. Which one will your dog or cat drink? Water. The what? Are you telling me my animal knows or listens more to his creator than I do? And so when I saw that one day, I was just in shock. I said, okay, from this point on, I would only use water and I would celebrate with juice. Once, twice, three, maximum four times a year. Well, every time
0: you get married, you
1: can. Oh, every time somebody gets married, just like in the Bible. And what happens is, as I'll finish here, a lot of the things that we are struggling with today is what we have been taught. You understand? So these things have been passed on, we have been passed on, we have been passed on. And so if we find it real challenging to break, we have to realize, hey, mom has been giving me tea to go to bed all those years I've been growing up. And so now, it's almost seemed like impossible for them to break it. It's because this has almost been instilled in them. You know, it's been like marked on their genes, even though it's not, but it's been it's been something that they have developed for many, for many years. And as Doc mentioned, the only way out is uh, with God's help there. So. Let's stay right here.
0: Uh, I, I just wanted to add one other thing. My My dad, for years... He grew up eating wrong, but he took it seriously and just followed what the Bible and Spirit of prophecy had to say. And uh, after meals, I'd see him get up, open the open the the uh the doors where we had food, uh, you know the cabinets, and uh, because he was always used to some um, dessert, but then he would come back. And he was determined that we, his children, would have freedom where he didn't have it. And so he fought the battle, and I reaped the rewards. Just like our parents fought the battle for freedom in this country, we have the rewards. Fight the battle, and your children can reap the consequences. Uh, Thank you very much. I I think uh, there was one more question, but... uh, um again we're just uh, we're just on time if people need to take a break or go to an- another uh, uh another class it's fine. What was your question? When does honey fit in this Uh the Bible is very and I'll, then I'll let uh you speak to this. The Bible is very balanced on honey. There are three references to honey in the book of Proverbs. One reference says uh, don't eat uh honey. Another reference says If you find it, just eat all you want. And the third one says, eat it in moderation. Now, why were those three in there? Because King Solomon was addressing three different problems. One was the person who just used honey to excess. Then one was a fanatic that wouldn't use it at all. And Ellen White says in your listeners, there's uh, 10% of the people who listen to you have an extreme... uh, Tendency. So um, he addressed all those those uh, those needs. Um, the person who did too much, cut down. The person who didn't have any. Uh, Ellen White, for example, in uh, Counsels to Diets and Foods, says, um, "Sugar isn't a poison. God puts it in lots of things. He likes sweet things. Wouldn't you hate it if uh, if um, a Good apple tasted like a lime. No, he, he likes sweet things. And so he packages them so it's, it's good for our taste and healthy for our bodies. And everything is all done with, with uh, balance. These are seasonings. They're not foods. The problem with America is we take that which is seasoning and turn it into that which is a food. That's a problem. Do you want to make any comments?
1: I'm just just saying our ultimate, ultimate goal is um, not to live a life of substitutes. Uh, As when I first started, I said, well, if I can't have this, then give me something that's like that. I'll just tell you this. We had an opportunity to work with a multimillionaire who was sick, not of the church. We shared the information with him. Man, he started making changes. His pressure came down. Cholesterol came down. The blessings balanced. Man, he was doing excellent and we had an opportunity and he was looking at one last thing and he was like, so what do I do with my fine chocolate? I spend over hundreds of dollars to import this from Switzerland and da 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 and I was like, okay, great. Should I use it? I said, well, let's read and we looked at chocolate and how it wasn't supposed to be used and the good things and the bad things and stuff. He was like, okay, I shouldn't use it. So I was a little hesitant. I was like, well, we have a substitute. Uh. Carob. <laughs> Man, he looked at me. He said, if it ain't the real thing, I don't want it at all. I backed up for a second. I said, can you believe this? The people out there, they don't want no half, you know, they don't want no middle ground. Tell me what I need to do and that's it. And I said, have mercy. We just finished a project in a certain area and one lady was an avid coffee drinker. And, and we talked about coffee, the good and the bad, because there's good and bad. You, There's good things about coffee, but the bad always outweighs the good. And we finally, she came to the decision. She says, no more coffee? Okay, done deal. And you remember how we read about the church members here? One of the church members was there though. And she was a non-adventist. She made that firm decision. I will not move forward with coffee. Done from today. One of the church members said, oh, I have a substitute. We have post them or this or that. I said, oh no. She didn't want substitute. She made a firm decision. And I was like, that's alright, you know, they'll work together and stuff like, you know, and stuff like that. But our goal is just to get back to what God has given us. And God has a very, very sweet tool. Those dates is one of the highest, has one of the highest glycemic index out of any of the fruits and items like that. Dates are so dangerous, they're so good, they're so dangerous, (laughs) that diabetics should not even touch them, you know what I mean? Because they, they call that sugar to jump up. But dates are fantastic. So, And when I want to finish off with something sweet, I drop one in uh, one, one, one of them off. Amen.
0: And, and let me just, yeah, st- stay right up here. Uh, let me just add this. I don't know of any date addicts. Does anybody here know date addicts? Um, God's, God uh, packages it in such a way that it's satisfying. He brings riches and there's no sorrow to it. I love Jesus. I love what he's made. I love what he does. We are going to make sure that we stop right now because we start in five minutes. I want you to be able to get some exercise and not uh, develop DVDs, uh, DVTs, deep vein thrombosis, because you were sitting too long. So at least stand up and uh, take a little break. And then we will start the most important, probably the most important talk I've ever given in my life will be the next one. This media was produced by Audioverse. Hope Media Ministry for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to listen to more great media like this presentation, or if you would like to learn more about
1: GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. You can also find great witnessing media at
0: audioverse.org and at hopevideo.com.